Hi, welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 37. I'm George. And I'm Jim. <laughs> oh, the other guys are not here this show. Uh, Tommy's on the road and Peter's constructing his new studio. Yeah, boy, I tell you that, Peter has been really busy with that and Tommy has really been kept on the road. He's our traveling correspondent. Yeah. And he sent us a little video that we'll have uh, toward the end of the show here on an important announcement. So what have we got lined up this time, Joy? Well, we're going to talk about that Old Town Middle School balloon launch. Boy, that was oh, a lot of yeah. fun this year. Oh, man, it really was. And they did really such a great job. Oh, yeah. And we learned a lot that we didn't know about previously. That's so. true. And we're going to share that, too. Yeah. Well, let's get started here uh, with a couple of the emails. What do you say, Jim? Sounds good. All right, I've got one here from my friend Paul, 2E, I, I don't know if that's a zero. Zero, I would yeah. say. 2E0KDM. Uh, where is that call from? Manchester, UK. Ah. Okay, and Paul writes that uh, he just wanted to say how much he thoroughly enjoyed our programs, and um, he finds our enthusiasm quite contagious and of course as amateurs you know we're free to plainly speak as we wish without any pressures so uh long live amateur logic.tv thanks for that email paul we have a great time doing it and uh glad to have fans like you watching i'm, I'm laughing because george and i kind of have a private joke about enthusiasm but yeah <laughs> it's vitally important to get enthused about it no yeah. matter what you're doing Okay, well, I've got one here. Remember last episode, we were talking about the strange uh, chantings going yeah. on over, we hypothesized Bali, the yeah. island, Bali, Bali, Bali. Anyway, uh, this fellow that uh, well, Peter got a reply from says basically uh, that what they're doing is they're competing in transmission against each other they call it racing over there in the in the british speak or bali speak if you will we would call it what would we call that we would call it a key down contest a key down, on cb a key down contest but i guess since it was sideband you know they have to uh, yeah have I guess. to keep that modulation up there yeah i guess so so uh pretty much they've determined that that's what it was it's a couple of guys airing that chanting stuff and they're trying to uh beat each other in a key down or race contest yeah and that that was coming from bali i believe they said, did 100 percent yeah. determine that okay okay and uh, we want you to stay tuned because we've got a contest coming up a little bit later here in the show yeah and uh you'll want to get in and uh participate in that and possibly win the prize and we also have a survey that yeah. we'd like to bring to our viewers attention really is going to help us out if you can go and fill this out uh, we've got links directing you to it and we'll show one here but also on our facebook page and on amateur logic well it's actually on amateurlogic.tv but it's really going to help us get to know our audience and what you want to see more of from us so it'll help us improve the show yeah uh, please uh check it when you get time it'll only take you a couple of minutes and it's confidential and it'll really help us out a lot so, Jim, what do you say we go back to school? Let's do it. Good morning. It's March the 3rd, 2012, and we're here at, uh, where is this place, Jim? It's called the Madison Careers and Technical Center. And we're here to witness a balloon launch this morning by the Old Town Middle School. 
Science, Technology, and Amateur Radio Club. They did this event last year, and Amateur Logic was here and covering it. And we hope to have some good coverage again today. What what are we going to see, Jim? Well, we're going to see a lot of Old Town Middle School students preparing their science experiments and attaching them to the balloon and the amateur radio club, getting their tracking radios and antennas and attaching to the balloon. And then we're going to fill up this big helium weather balloon and hook up the uh, anchor line to it and release and let it go up 100,000 feet to near space. And then we're going to track it and see where it goes. Yeah, that ought to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to miss the actual launch because I'm going to head out of here just a little before they launch to get back in the shack where I can track it there. And we'll be uh, tracking all the digital modes on it and, and hopefully get a little bit of each of those and follow this thing for the next few hours and see where it lands. Yeah, right now they're predicting, looking at all the models, the computer models and data they put into it, the winds and the winds aloft and everything. And right now it looks like it's going to go over to Utah, Alabama. Ah, the, uh, Utah in the other direction. Utah in the other direction. Okay, well, sorry Tommy couldn't be here with us this morning. I know he wanted to, but unfortunately he's vacationing in South Florida today. And you know, you never know for sure, some odd circumstances could send the balloon in his direction and we may have to call him up and say, look, cover the landing for us. Yeah, swim out there in the Gulf and get this thing. <laughs> you know, it's not impossible, George. In fact, amateur radio enthusiasts have launched weather balloons just like this before and they've gone all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. That was a, a recent launch, I believe, that that uh, set a new record on distance, wasn't it? That is absolutely correct. And in fact, we're going for a record here today with the Old Town Middle School group. They're going for a record on HF telemetry reception. They're number six in the world right now, and they're shooting for number one. Wow, number six in the world, and they've only had one launch. So... Uh, their experience now maybe we'll uh, push that number on up a little bit this year certainly could we'll see we'll find out today um, bobby why don't you tell our viewers uh who you are and uh, uh what we're about to do okay well i'm bobby robinson i am the science director here at the titans in space program uh, i'm a science teacher at old town middle school several of our experiments we have a high-speed particle test we're testing time to see if there's going to be a differential uh, we're exposing some seeds to the near space uh, parameters of low pressure and low temperature, see if that has any difference uh, in growth rates. Um, we have an expansion test and we're using several different types of marshmallows and we're, we're going to see if they expand. Uh, we also have batteries and one of the things we did last year is we used some batteries and we sent them up and what we found is the ones that we sent up were 33% they lasted 33% longer than the ones that stayed on the ground. So we're trying to check that and verify what we had last year. Um, wow. <clears throat> uh, who, who's this young man you got here? I'm Ty Sanders. Uh, Mr. Sanders, can you turn around and show our viewers this uh, rig you've got here? And uh, Bobby, just, man, this thing looks wild. You got all kind of, what is that, film canister sticking out the top and test tubes out the side? Yeah, this right here is for our high-speed particles. We have an undeveloped 35-millimeter film here, and in, in a dark room, we also took 35-millimeter film and put it on flat sheets. 
And what we're trying to do is duplicate something that we did last year. Last year, we captured something that, that uh, has never been seen before. We sent it off to some uh, guys in Mississippi State, and they said, well, we're not sure what it is. Uh, it, they said it is a high-speed particle. They said send it to a guy in Houston who works for NASA. He said he didn't know what it was. He's never seen it before and asked if it was a film processing error. Well, we sent our film to Kodak, and they said, no, it's not. So we captured um, captured this last year. And as you can see, uh, you can see a blue uh, aurora with this blazing trail. And up here, when you get real close, you can see neutrinos flying off. So what we surmise is during that time, Fukushima had exploded one month prior to, and all that contamination and radiation was above the United States. What we're trying to do is if we if we look at it again this year, we don't think that we'll find anything like this, and that might lead some credence to what we believe, what we might have picked up last time. So in effect, kind of in a way, this year will be a control uh, almost for last year's experiment. Correct, and we will also do controls for what we pick up this year because once, once we get back into the classroom, we're going to take controlled specimens of alpha, beta, and gamma particles, and we're going to expose them to 35-millimeter film, and we'll see the difference between what you'll find is cosmic rays versus uh, background radiation. Wow. Uh, I'm really impressed. You guys are doing a great job. Who? What's your name? Julius Wales. Hey, Julius. Um, I bet you guys have even more experiments beside this one, huh? Yeah, we have. We're doing stuff in the classroom as well as this, too. Wow. Cool. Uh, is this the main science experiment going up today? Yes, this, this is the platform for our experiments. Uh, I still have uh, another group over here for our elasticity test. And, well, we, 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 we have some little, uh, little astronauts over here that are going to go up as well. Um, we're going to – we have our cricket onots that are going to be exposed as well. We're trying to see if, um, if they're exposed, what happens, what happens to them. Uh, we have a control group that we're also going to put some hot hands with to make sure they're, they're nice and warm. They've got some uh, extra oxygen from the, from the vegetation, and we'll just see if there's any difference in them when, when they come back. Um, one of the things that we speculate is that uh, uh, insects are very durable, uh, and we, we think that they'll actually survive. So we're just, check, we're just checking. It's one of the things that we wanted to check. What are you looking to learn from that science experiment? Well... You know, when we go up to near space, we're talking, you know, somewhere between the range of 18 to 20 miles above Earth's surface. At that, at that altitude, we're, we're, we're going to be like at 0.0% of air pressure, and things that have less air pressure tend to expand. Um, now, because a, a, an insect has their skeleton on the outside, we surmise that they still can contain all of, all of, their, um, all of their parts, I, I would say. Um, but, you know, we'll, there, there have been questions asked, you know, what happens to the human body if it's ever exposed to um, the pressures of space? This might give a small uh, possible demonstration of what possibly could happen in space to the human body. Because, you know, technically the human body, since all of our stuff is on the inside, if we were to go into space, you would swell up and burst just like our balloon would. But due to their exoskeletons, we're, we're thinking they can handle the pressure or lack thereof. That's, that's what we surmise. We, we hypothesize that because their skeletons on the outside that they will be able to contain themselves. Okay, great. Well, thanks for talking to us, and uh, perhaps we'll be able to get with you in a moment and, and get some more information on some of your other experiments. I really appreciate talking to you. All right. Boy, Bobby and his crew are really sharp.
group of folks, aren't they? They they really are. I mean, uh, Bobby has got the science thing down cold. Yeah, they tried some things I never would have thought of. And, you know, we're going to have a little more on this a little bit later on in the show, but, but they are, whew, they're doing some hardcore science. Yeah, they sure are. And, um, wow, sending those batteries up and getting 33% longer life out of it, maybe that's the new green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. We're going to have a little bit more information on what they found later in the show uh, when they repeated that film experience yeah. that was such a strange phenomenon. Yeah, it sure was. Well, I've got another email here, okay. Jim. This one comes from Frank, and he says he's a huge fan of my segments, and he really enjoys the uh, wit and wisdom. And he was wondering where I got the aluminum paint pen from that you see me use quite often and, uh, on Amateur Logic and on Ham Nation. I would not be able to answer that question myself. Where did you get that? Well, I got this pen here. Uh, I either got it, because I don't remember for sure, but all these folks carry it, at uh, Walmart or Lowe's or one of these uh, like Michael's Craft Store. Ah. All those places carry these little paint pens. And the aluminum ones are great. I mean, you can do all kinds of things with these. They're, they're not really conductive, but I, I wouldn't count on it being an insulator either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it really helps with rust spots and all because you can paint right over it, and the oil and the paint kind of soaks down into the rust and stops it right there. Mm. So, uh, nice. good stuff. Yeah. Well, I have an email, too. Matter of fact, from a fan also writing to say that uh, they just finished watching the last episode last night. I should mention this is from Lee, K-I-6-O-Y. Thanks, Lee. And he says over the last month or so, he's watched all the episodes up to number 35 is where he is. And he just wanted to thank us for being very entertaining, informative, and funny, and encouraged us to keep up the good work. And said he's really gotten a lot out of it, but what he wanted to convey more than anything else is He's um, hoping that um, we would talk about 10 meters and how that band has really opened up lately. And he uh, believes that not all amateurs are aware of that and that 10 is so open now that you can literally talk all around the world on 10 meters Boy. at some point. And, and even technicians can get on 10 meters on That's certain correct. frequencies. That's correct, yeah, 28.3 to 28.5 if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so even with a simple 100-watt rig, boom. Yeah, I think Tommy's kind of got interested in that, and we might be hearing some more from him. Cool, good yeah. beans. Well, let's get back into the balloon launch now. We, we've looked at the science projects. Let's look a little bit at the radio gear we're going to have. Why don't you tell folks uh, out there who you are? My name is Bill Richardson. I uh, am a teacher at Old Town Middle School. And I'm also the Radio and Technology Club sponsor for our school. We do ham radio, balloons, robots, and all sorts of things. And tell them why we're here today. Well, we're sending our second balloon up to near space, and we're hoping to send science experiments up. We're trying to reach about 90,000 feet or more, uh, wow. going for a telemetry record. Um, I'll let people know around the world, you know, we're trying to, trying to do, and so we're trying to get them to listen for the signal. We're number six in the world right now for HF telemetry, and we're trying to get up to either one or two. So. Wow, I saw that on the internet, and uh, Amateur Logic has put it out on their Facebook group and other pages, and I know a lot of other people are getting the word out on the internet that, hey, 
be listening, be tracking, be reporting your results. Well, um, uh, that's fine. Let's talk about conditions this okay. morning and how, how it's looking. And uh, like, for example, uh, you know, the, the thing that was on my mind when I pulled up is, boy, the winds are real strong and they're out of the north, northeast at like 20 miles an hour. What, what kind of impact does that have? Uh, the surface winds actually don't have very much impact at all. It, the only impact it has is when we are actually handling the balloon. We've got to be very careful about it flopping around and so forth. So we're going to try to use the building as a shelter um, outside and, and break the wind. But all we have to do is, um, is just make sure it doesn't hit anything, not blow up. Once it launches, the first few thousand feet will, you know, of, of air is blowing out of the northeast or northwest, I believe, and anyway, it's going to go south, and then once it gets above those, those winds, the winds totally change to a blowing toward uh, Tal- uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so it's going to make a real hard, about 100-degree hook, and it's going to take off to Alabama, so. Wow, is that, is that the actual jet stream, as no, they refer to it? I don't think it's the jet stream. It's just the high-level winds right now. Um, jet stream is actually a little further north. Uh, once it hits the upper level winds, it's going to start traveling about 150 miles an hour horizontal, and we should be traveling about 1,300 feet per minute up. So, wow, that's cool. All right, well, we'll be tracking it, of course, on GPS and all kind of other things, and so we'll see all that and we'll report all that. All right, thank you. Thanks. We'll talk to you in a minute. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Hey, doing good. Good to be here. Hey, why don't you tell our viewers who you are? Okay, hi. My name's Shane Wilson. My call sign's N4XWC, November 4 X-Ray Whiskey Charlie, and I'm over here from Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, the part of this I like to do is, uh, is the chase and the recovery. So you're going to be a part of the chase slash recovery team that finds the balloon when it comes down? Well, that, hopefully. Hopefully we'll find it. Hadn't lost one yet, but you're exactly correct. Yeah. And uh, what do you guys do if that thing comes down and lands in the top of a tree? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I brought climbing gear with me, and I actually have a spud gun and some other stuff, and if I can't just climb the tree, I've got climbing rope and climbing gear that I can attach to uh, myself and throw the rope or get the rope over the tree and actually climb straight up the rope to get to the balloon. Wow, that's, that's all right. That's awesome. Hey, what, what, are, what, what is this all that we're looking at here on the ground? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, this package here, it's our HF transmitter. I can open it up. You, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but it's... Shout out that for us. Okay. Um, what this is, this is actually a worldwide transmitter. People from Europe uh, have a real good chance of being able to hear the signal. It has a small GPS receiver in here. Sends the GPS data over to the radio, and the radio, and that's the batteries, and this sends out a signal um, on a short wave frequency. It's called 20 meters. Uh, it has two long antennas, one here and one here, that go um, several feet either direction, and people will be able to hear this potentially all over the world. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm just curious, why is it in this styrofoam box and all taped up? Is that to protect it? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, uh, this balloon um, is going to go potentially close to 100,000 feet, anywhere from 90 to 100,000 feet. It gets extremely cold up there. So what this is is styrofoam that will keep the, the electronics and the batteries warm so that they will continue to operate once it's way up there. Super good. Shane, thanks for talking to us. Okay, you're welcome. Good to be here. Uh, so, Bill, uh, uh, we see that you're doing, is this, I guess, final assembly on this? 
Yeah, this is final assembly on the whole payload, but this is, we're trying to be real delicate with this project. This is a voice beacon that is uh, going to have a dedication to uh, one of our silent keys, Leo McGee, K5LEM. He was a valued uh, chase member from last year. And so we've got a message to, uh, to dedicate to him on here. And there's a secret phrase so that if anybody you know, hears the message, it's on 146565. If, if they hear it and record the phrase or write it down, they can email us a QSL card and you know, have a little uh, memento from the, from the flight. Oh, cool. Okay. Hey, can we hear it? Can you, uh, yeah. right. can this gentleman here's, come here's up here? The HT. Give me just a second. Middle School Near Space Exploration Program. This flight is named LEO-1 and is dedicated to K5LEM Silent Key. Please send recordings of the secret phrase to the QRZ email address for KC5NXD. The secret phrase is as follows. From the Radio and Technology Club and the Science Club, we say, it's a great day to be a Titan. 7-3-KC5NXD. All right. And that, that'll repeat about every 45 seconds to a minute. And our theoretical range when it gets to altitude is about 400 miles. Wow, cool. All right. It's only a 50 milliwatt transmitter, so listen very carefully. And we're about to start final assemblies. Bill's always a lot of fun to talk with and you know, to see what he's got going there in the radio arena. Yeah. And and Shane from Birmingham, he was yeah. kind of instrumental in all this too, wasn't he? Yeah, boy, I tell you, uh, you're going to see more Shane a little bit later on when uh, it gets down to recovery. But I tell you, uh, Bill has got a great program going on there in the Old Town Middle School, and he's really involving some kids making future hams. Yeah, it really is. And uh, thanks, Bill, and and everyone at Old Town Middle School for this program. It's it's really educational. It really, truly is. Hey, I got a, an email from um, our friend Dom. Okay, why don't we do okay. the cheap old man minute next. I'm the sorry. dog went off anyway, so. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes. From my shack, here in uh, Slidell, Louisiana, KE5QKR. I wanted to shed some light on a project I worked on recently, salvaging some old parts from my uh, antenna pieces parts. Everybody's probably familiar with uh, one of these center connectors for antennas, whether it's wire or in my case, folded dipole. That basically comes down from the wire, the PL259. Well, I decided while reading some antenna theory to uh, make a J-pole out of it, see how it works. And it worked good. Basically, you get your measurements right. This one, this particular one's for uh, 70 centimeters. And uh, if you see here, you got the pieces that come down below to make the uh, two elements of the J-pole. It's basically Romex that's uh, wrapped around the wire connectors. And I put it up, and believe it or not, it worked pretty good. I was, I was impressed with its performance. So that's another cheap old man minute from KU5 QKR. I tell you, George, that 
Emil, he is so innovative. That's a fantastic way to build a J-pole. There, there are just so many different ways that you can make one of those. Yeah, and I had never thought about doing it that way, but it was simple, and, and boy, I mean, you could whack that one out pretty quick. That's right. Well, and speaking of J-poles, I had an email here from uh, Jerry Buston, KR7KZ, who sent in the plans for a J-pole here. Oh. Uh, we'll take a look at that, and we'll... Uh, We'll put this on AmateurLogic.tv where you can download these plans. This is a really neat-looking J-Pole here. I've never seen one done mm. like that either. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I may have to try one of these. Looks and, nice. Uh, speaking of Jerry, you know, he's the um, author of a book, Constructing HF Wire Antennas, of which I just happen to have a free copy right here. Wow, that's and, nice. And this is really a nice book, Jim. I mean, whether you know a lot about antennas or absolutely nothing at all, it can get you right up and going. And hey. uh, I, I've been reading it. I hadn't finished it yet, but uh, boy, uh, a lot of good information on here. On Boy, I tell you, I am a wire antenna nut. I build all my own HF antennas, and they're 90% wire HF antennas. It's one of the great things that amateurs can still do and save yeah. big money on. It, it is. And why don't we give this one away to some of our viewers, Jim? Wow. Okay. What a deal. Uh, all you have to do is just send us an email to contest at amateurlogic.tv and just tell us what you like about the show. And in the next episode, we'll give away this book to some lucky viewer and he can get out there and string wire all over his yard. <laughs> That's a good deal. All right. Hey, um, talking about DXing and um, HF wire antennas, I got a little something here from our friend Dom, W4DOM, oh, yeah, that I'd like Dom. to mention. Yeah. And uh, he, he sent us a little something that has been going around the web lately. You might have seen something about it on QRZ called the DX Code of Conduct. And it's, it's been around for a while in one form or another, but recently it's really uh, been a hot buzzword and a hot topic of conversation. And the DX Code of Conduct is really something that all, I guess, HF amateur operators should aspire to adhere to. I know I do. I know George does. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, it's, uh, kind of a set of etiquette rules and do's and don'ts, things that you really should be aware of if you're going to operate on HF. And we're going to put some links up um, in different various places on our Facebook page and our site and such. And we'll show you one right here uh, where you can go and read more about the DX Code of Conduct. George, did you want to say anything about that? Um, no, nothing other than, you know, it's, uh, it's just good practice to be courteous. And uh, check out these code of conduct because um, when everybody gets on there and it starts keying up at the same time or jamming somebody else, it just takes the fun out of it for everyone. And that's what it's all about is having fun. And that's what these, not rules, but guidelines are designed to help everyone have. It's more fun and enjoy our hobby. Yeah. Speaking of uh, jamming and... Uh, and interference and problems, Jim. You got a little follow-up for us here on. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, and I, I found out back in episode 33. You may recall I designed, I 
I didn't design. I designed with uh, uh, George's help an audio isolator. Uh, maybe George doesn't want any credit for that. No, you didn't. <laughs> he, you didn't follow my instructions exactly. <laughs> he gave me the idea. I came up with the implementation, or or we collaborated on the idea, and I came up with the implementation, which had some bugs, a couple of bugs, in fact, and one was well, we're you're going to see a future segment on that, but uh, it comes down to the fact that uh, we didn't get everything insulated properly and we made a couple of wiring mistakes. But again, if you, excuse me, if you follow that guide in episode 33 and made you an audio isolation interface and it's not working, stay tuned. We're going to have the corrections for you in probably the next episode or two. Yeah, you know, uh, we we ran it in the show, and I just really didn't watch that close. I said, "Oh, Jim nailed it. You know, he got it just right. Whatever you got, I got too." Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but after I started fooling with it and uh, figured out that it wasn't working, uh, yeah. <laughs> not like it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, there was there was um, audio there, but uh, yep. you really didn't cure the problem. You yeah, were trying the, to cure. the RF feedback was still there, so. Yeah, it's one of those things. That's the way it goes. Some days you go bear hunting. Yep. Some days you get the bear. That's right. <laughs> Someday the bear gets you. Well, let's get back into our uh, balloon launch here. It's time to put this thing in the air. Okay, arms starting to go up. Hold it. Just try to hold it. Okay, whoa. This is Tracking Central. Can you give us a status update? I can. They've got uh, 13 pounds of helium in the balloon now, or, or 12.89, almost to 13 pounds. So uh, we just got off the phone with the FAA. They said we have nothing inbound or outbound at the moment. So launch is imminent and occurring any Moment. Do not grab. Hold your thumbs under. Palm only. Do not. If you drop it, hey, got at the end. Chris, start stepping out. Make it taunt. Go. Step out. Make it taunt. Hey, like Step feet. Out. Make the line taunt. Go east. What is West. that? Ah. Hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got, I'm here. I'm here. All right. Five. Four. Three. Two, one, go! Let it go! Hey. 
go that way. Hey, we really are going to Utah. Look. I hope it don't end up in Salt Lake. Okay, we're we're starting to receive a little audio here. And I think this is it. I believe they have launch. I haven't heard from Jim yet. But this is approximately the frequency they plan to transmit on. And there's a minute between transmissions, so we'll just watch it here and see what happens. All right, there we go. I believe that should have been KC5NXD. And that's 742 feet. So it has launched. Uh, let's try Domino, and I believe that's Domino EX-16 is what they're running. Now that's another signal up the band here. Um, we're not decoding it, so it shouldn't interfere with us. There's the CW. And there we go. There's our first data. It took it a moment, so we didn't get the call letter here while it was trying to lock up. But we got the time. 1653 Universal Coordinated Time. I believe we have latitude and longitude next. Then we have the altitude. It's at 1492 feet, so that's pretty good. And I believe this is probably battery voltage 11 and 8.92. And the 38 and the 66, not sure what that is. Temperature is on here somewhere. So um, we'll have to see if we can find a key and figure this out. Uh, according to APRS, it's at 55.74 feet. And we can start seeing some trails here. It's kind of headed towards the northeast right now. I've resumed the tape here. We're rolling again. And we can see it's moved quite a ways. It's 15,723 feet now, moving at 89 miles per hour. It's uh, north of the Ross Barnett Reservoir now. I'm located back down this way, and I'm hearing the 20-meter uh, the signals just fine. They are coming in really good here. I was never able to pick up the VHF, which would have been on 146.565. Not sure what was up with that. Uh, I've uh, had success receiving uh, the Domino X16 mode and the CW signal. I have not received the Hellscriber or the RIDI yet, so let's try one of those. Uh, we'll go back to the Hellscriber again, and I'm not sure which mode they're running, so we're just going to have to try some here. We just talked with the guy who launched the balloon there, and he says that the firmware was updated on the device, and it's not transmitting hell mode, so we're not going to have any luck with that one. We'll take a quick look, though, 
at our uh, TNC here and look at the APRS signal. And we can see we've been getting transmissions on there as well. This is coming over 2 meters at 144.39. Let's move on over here to Ritty and see if we can get something going. Excellent copy on the Ritty now. The call sign. I believe this is 8,159 meters, which would be 26,000 feet. The altitude is 35,985 feet. It doesn't seem like it's rising as fast as it did last year. I don't have that data, so it's hard to say. But if it's going to get up to uh, 90,000 feet or better before it reaches its destination, just over the Alabama line there, it's going to have to do some climbing mighty fast. It is moving along, though, at a high rate of speed, 157 miles an hour. And it looks like it's going to go north of where it did last year. Last year it was down here, sort of in the York-Livingston area. Don't remember the exact spot, but we can see we're, we're headed uh, a little further north this year, unless it turns back. And this is on APRS at 144.39 megahertz. And I think we just had a domino come in, and, and there it is. Little garbled on that. The balloon's still climbing. 49,865 feet now. We're still hearing the signals not that great. It's almost to reform Alabama. And I believe we lost the signals just as we crossed Alabama line last year. Possibly doing a little bit better this year. Yeah, that, that ready signal is mighty weak now. But the software is still decoding it perfectly, so... Uh, Ritty seems to be the best mode we've tried here. Uh, we'll go back now, though, and uh, try the Domino EX-16 again and just see what comes with it next time around. There comes the Domino. Not 100% copy. We did not get the call letters that time, but we still had a copy. So I would say Ritty seems to be a little more robust. The balloon's been up about an hour and 25 minutes roughly now. We're still able to copy 100% on the ready signal here. And I can just barely hear the signal in there. It's mighty weak, but it's still decoding. And it looks like we finally have lost the APRS data over here. I'm not receiving anything on that anymore. It's uh, way on over into Alabama now. On its way toward Birmingham, it looks like. 61,000 feet. And it'll probably get somewhere in the 90,000 feet range before it bursts and falls to the ground. It's slowed down now to 48 miles an hour, so it's climbing faster. Well, we've pretty much lost our copy on Ready now, which was our best digital mode. But let's go back and, uh, and try CW. I know they say CW will uh, get there when nothing else will. We almost copied the CW there, KC5N, and then it garbled on us. Take a quick look back at APRS.FI. Sped up a little bit, not much, 6 miles an hour, and it's climbed to 80,000 feet, so it still continues to rise at a fairly rapid rate. And just when I thought I had lost it on Ritty, the balloon's been up almost two hours now and there's a, a good ready copy right there we got all the data that time no garble in there and it's at 82,395 feet still don't know where it's exactly it's going to come down but at 85,000 feet 
It's getting close to bursting altitude. And it looks like we're still receiving the APRS signal as well. I saw it get to 91,000 feet earlier. It's at 89,545 now, moving 54 miles an hour. 82,000 feet, so the balloon has burst and it is on its way down now. How far will it go? Well, we don't know, but maybe it could still make it to Birmingham. It's going to hit some faster winds on its way down, I believe, so we'll see how that plays out. Well, our 20 meter data is almost completely gone now. And we got a packet recently from the APRS, so that's still working. It's falling 40,887 feet, moving at 157 miles an hour. At this point, I'll say this balloon has probably been in the air for 2 hours and 40 minutes. And this could be it. It could be on the ground now. Nope, not quite. It'll be on the ground within a minute, though. So I'm going to guess our last reported APRS altitude is going to be 1,072 feet. You can see here at the, the last few minutes, as it came down through the different layers of wind there, how it turned back and changed its direction. I'm zooming in here. Looks like it landed in the top of a tree. And it's up to the guys out in the cars now. And the, the guy who was talking about having his tree climbing gear. Oh, it moved from one tree to another. I wonder if it fell out of the tree. I would say overall a very successful launch, wouldn't you, Jim? Oh, yes, very successful indeed. Went much farther than anyone ever thought, and much higher yeah. than, than anyone imagined. And I didn't hear anyone say for sure, but I, I think the trick to how it got so far this year is as it was rising, it hit some really high winds, and that pushed it sideways for a, a long ways, and so it prevented it from lifting as quick. As quickly, that's correct. Yeah. And, and obviously served to take it much farther, or at least past the point that the computer models projected that it would be landing at. So yeah, boy. And uh, here's some uh, information. Uh, one of the things, you know, that the group was shooting for was a world record on HF telemetry. And while that didn't happen, or they didn't improve their standing, still number six in the world. They did capture number two in the world for VHF UHF telemetry yeah. uh, uh, tracking. It was received uh, in North Carolina, and that's a pretty good distance for VHF. That's right, like 500 and something miles. And that happened right at the 
peak of the balloon's altitude, as you would expect. So yeah, congratulations on that. And uh, another thing is the science experiment with the film. Yeah. You know, last year they saw the high-speed neutrinos. Yeah, we thought it might have been that nuclear uh, Yeah, I thought accident. it might have been the thing with Fukushima. Well, either the Fukushima thing is still going on and that, that is still affecting the air or it's something else because the same phenomenon was repeated with the film this year. Wow. So that's still a very big mystery. Yeah. And uh, Bobby and those guys have talked with them after the fact. They, they said that they took absolute great care, and as you can imagine, greater care this year even in ensuring that that film did not get exposed prior to launch in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, just still no idea, but maybe one day someone will figure that out. I don't know why these other balloons haven't captured that, you know? Yeah. That's, that's pretty strange. And, that really uh, is a mystery. Talking about Shane, he, yeah. he did come in handy, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, Shane had to uh, strap on his tree climbing gear on this launch because the balloon came down in a 100-foot-tall pine tree and, and snagged a limb about 70 feet up in the pine tree. And I would have just loved George to have been there and seen Shane go up after that thing and, and, figure, and figure out a way, because it was pretty far out on a limb, as you can oh. tell from the picture. <laughs> so I bet, that was, I bet that was a good challenge. I bet it was, too, and uh, glad it was him rather than me. Ooh, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, thanks to everyone, you know, for the, the balloon launch and the recovery. Uh, what a great adventure it's been. And yes. they're going to be doing another one next year, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Just getting started good. This is just the second launch, and uh, next year, look out. HF telemetry world record and vhf telemetry world record number one spots i bet that's what they're shooting for i bet it is too well you know tommy wasn't here today but he did send us a little message if you follow us on facebook uh, twitter or on our google plus account you'll probably see where we mentioned we'll be doing something a little bit different with this release well we decided we want to get to know you guys a little bit better uh, have a given opportunity to answer any questions you know just uh, get a little rag chew net going so go to the website, www.amateurlogic.tv, and you'll see some information on where and when to connect. We have a good turnout. We'll probably continue to have these in the future. For starters, I think we'll probably start out with Echolink, uh, some of the HF bands, possibly a Google Plus Hangout. You know, if we get some feedback and need some other venues, then we could possibly add those as well. Go to the website, like I said, amateurlogic.tv, and you'll see where and when to connect, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, George, we're working with the Do Drop In guys to uh, pick out a good day when we can uh, get the Amateur Logic TV uh, net on their servers, on their conference server. That's on Echolink. On yeah. Echolink. And as soon as we know, or as soon as we hear back from those guys as to when we can get it scheduled and what a good day would be, will be, We'll let our viewers know. Yeah, it, it should be real soon, I would say, within the next week or two. Probably next week, but we, we've still got to coordinate that exactly. And we'll put those, uh, that information out on our uh, Facebook page and AmateurLogic.tv. So keep a watch.
Yeah. And once again, we encourage you to go check the survey out at amateurlogic.tv. Give us a little feedback there. Tell us a little bit, you know, about who you are. Help us to better understand you and what you uh, like and don't like about the show. It's, it's confidential. It's only going to take you a couple of minutes, and it will greatly benefit us in producing the content you want to see. It's totally anonymous. We don't capture your name, IP address, or anything. We can't emphasize enough how big of a help this will be to ALTV. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed number 37. And uh, we're shooting for a, a target date every month. We're going to try to release these shows on the 15th each month. Bingo. So we're, we're a day late maybe this time. But uh, next month, look for us on the 15th. Look for us right around the 15th every month. 7-3.